0: Welcome to Frontline Church South OKC Sermon Podcast. Each week we will have new sermon content from Sunday mornings, both video and audio options. Please visit south.frontlinechurch.com for more information. If you have any questions, need prayer, or have any other needs at all, please email hello at frontlinechurch.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. God's
1: Word. The scripture for today's sermon comes from Matthew 6, 1-21. The Word of God speaks to us. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy Anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is God's word to us.
0: It's fun to hear God's word read by people who believe it. I'm thankful for that. Hey, will you, uh, will you pray with me? Father, I'm amazed even as we listen to your word read that you didn't, you didn't leave us to ourselves. You didn't tell us to go figure stuff out. You came into our world. You explained things to us. Jesus, you could point at yourself and say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus, you love us enough to teach us, to tell us how to live, You don't require that we have college degrees. You love us enough to put it on the bottom shelf for us. And you call us your friends. Living God, I ask now that you would open our eyes and our hearts and our ears. Would you create a hospitable place within us to receive the word of God? Change us by your word, living God, and help us to see that fasting, just like prayer, just like giving to the poor, it's not about hunger, it's about treasure. So help us all to hear a word about what we value, what we love, and minister to us in that place, I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, um, first of all, I hate to tell you, but you're going to be radically disappointed because I've never met that guy that Andrew talked about. Um, apparently, I've, I've kidnapped him or indwelt his body or something else. But uh, I, I do know this for certain. I love this church. I'm kind of pinching myself that my family and I get to be a part of it now because I've loved this church for a long time um, and have prayed for you guys, felt like a jealous uncle on the side participating in your life, and uh, the fact that I get to be here with you now is um, something I'm, I'm still coming to grips with. So humbling and exciting and honored to be with you guys, and I really do love this series. I talked with Will this week just asking him to kind of bring me into how this series has been for you. How you've processed it, how you've dealt with it, where you've grown, where you've been stumped, where you've been challenged. And I was encouraged to hear the ways in which this series has helped you. I I was encouraged to hear the ways in which this series has increased your desire to walk in the ways of Jesus. Because this isn't rocket science. This isn't some kind of strange cultish righteousness. This is just God lovingly giving us pathways to walk in. You know, Jesus tells us in John 14:6, "I'm the way, the truth and the life," right? One of my favorite authors, Eugene Peterson, says, "There's something funny about us as Christians." That we try to separate the truth of Jesus from the ways of Jesus, and then we wonder why we don't experience the life of Jesus. But but this series has just been a small, bottom-rung kind of way to help us ask the question, how do we orient our bodies and our lives and our schedules where God invites us to place our desires? That, that's what this series is all about, and I love this series. And I realize I don't look like it, but I love fasting. F- fasting has been a huge part. You guys can laugh. It's okay. Um, there, there is an incongruence between my size. Andrew looks like the guy that should preach on fasting. Um, but see, that's how I do it in secret. I'm being obedient to the Word of God um, by, by covering over fasting. And like, I, I remember being a new Christian and hearing Jesus speak to me in places like this and go, "What? Well, I, I guess that's what we do. I, I guess we fast. I guess we pray. I guess we care for people on the margins. I guess that's what life in God's kingdom is all about. And by God's grace, for reasons that I can't really explain, fasting has just been a part of my life since I came to faith, and I'm so grateful for that. And I actually yearn for that for you. I think each generation of Christians finds ourselves with unique deficiencies or problems that our parents' generation didn't have, makes sense, and will pass on a life to our kids where they will find themselves with problems that we didn't have. But it's my belief that there are unique problems for us culturally, and that's true whether you follow Jesus or not, there are unique problems for us culturally of superficiality and distraction and deadened senses given over to constant overindulgence in everything we touch, that fasting could be for us one of the greatest gifts of God unto the purposes of God in our lifetime. I sincerely believe that. I believe that we have unique problems culturally that God by his spirit could awaken and heal and mend and rebuild in us through the discipline of fasting. So let me put my burden all the way on the table and then we'll dive into this passage this morning and I'm gonna spread it around because I wanna give you guys some broader uh, pieces from God's word. But here's my burden for you from the jump, okay? I long to see Frontline Church be a fasting church. I long to see you be a fasting person, not because I think you need to work to make yourself hungry. I I long to see you be a fasting people because you are hungry. I I want to see you fast, not because you need to know what it feels like to be hungry. I want to see you fast because you don't know what your hunger actually feels like, because we so often deaden our hunger and mute our hunger with stuff that seems more proximate and in our face, and more often than not, food. You have a hunger in you brothers and sisters, you have a hunger in you that I suspect many of us are not even aware of. We're not not even aware of it. There there was my son's birthday last year. He was really excited. He wanted to go to this really nice restaurant. And my son has kind of developed a taste in the last couple of years. He's about to turn 15. He's 14. He's developed a taste for like fine food. We've, we've, gone, we've gone past mac and cheese and chicken nuggets, which was kind of fun until you, you got to start paying for it. Right? But he said, Dad, I want to go to this nice restaurant. And I was like, gulp? That would be like a place I'd take your mom for an anniversary. <laughs> but okay, I'll take the whole family there. We made reservations. It was one of those kind of deals. You're, you're like putting on nicer clothes to go eat. And before we go to that to that place for dinner, he has his friends over for his birthday, and he proceeds to eat like 11 pounds of Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> and he says to me, really, he's honest, which I super appreciated. He's kind of embarrassed. He's like, "Hey, Dad, I don't, I don't want to go to Corvino. I'm, I'm not hungry." Cool, we'll cancel the reservation. But he didn't want, it, it wasn't as if his desire for dinner had stopped because he wasn't hungry. It was his desire for dinner had stopped because he had blunted his hunger with 31 cents worth of candy that I bought for $31, right? Or however much I paid for it, I don't, I don't have the receipt. But that's, that's why I want to see us grow in fasting, Because whether it's your phone, or your job, or the gym, or your friends, or sports, or whatever it is, you are constantly glutting yourself with spiritual candy. And and, and it is distracting you from a hunger that exists that's deeper that God alone can satisfy. So open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 if you closed them, or open them up if you have them. And if you don't, maybe they'll put it on the screen. Um, but, but here's what I want you to notice as we go through Matthew chapter 6. Now, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is talking about what life in the kingdom of God is like. He's like, hey, you want to have the ultimate existence. You want to be happy. You want to be full. You want to be satisfied. You want to live into your destiny. It doesn't have anything to do with your money. Because you're blessed if you're poor, if you understand how the dynamics in God's kingdom works. It doesn't have anything to do with how people look at you. It doesn't have anything to do with your reputation. It has something to do with God's righteousness being revealed to you and given to you and you walking in them by grace. Jesus is telling us, hey, this is how you live the life. You want the dream? Here it is. And as he talks about life in his kingdom, he talks to us about prayer. And I want you to notice how he just expects us to do these things. Look at verse 2 of Matthew chapter 6. When you give to the needy. He says it again in verse 3. Look at verse 5 of Matthew chapter 6. When you pray. He says it again in verse 6. He says it again in verse 7. When you pray. Not if you pray. Not if you give to the needy. Not if you care for the people on the margins. When you do this. When you care for people on the margins. When you pray. Then look at verse 16. When you fast. I want us to notice two things from the jump in Matthew chapter six. Number one is Jesus expects us If we want to walk in the fullness of his kingdom, he expects us to care for people on the margins. He expects us to pray. He expects us to fast. Now check this. He actually puts those three things together in the same bucket. Now, I call your attention to that because my hunch is Everyone in this room, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, everyone in this room would say, yeah, Christians care for people on the margins. Now, maybe you have criticism about how well we do it as the family of God, but, it, but my, my guess is everyone would go, yeah, Christians have been called since their inception and the church has, since its inception, cared for the needy and the marginalized. My my guess is you would say, yeah, whether I pray or not, Christians are designed by God to pray. And part of the Christian life is prayer, right? Do I I have any dissenters? Does anyone want to disagree with that? No. It's It's not a big ask. But what is it about us that we view fasting as something that's either like way from a distant past Or we view fasting as being connected with some form of super Christian, but that's not me. For years and years now, I've gone to this Benedictine monastery. I try to go a couple times a year just to be quiet and be alone before the Lord, have my phone in my car away from me and pray. And my my guess is you think like, well, if fasting exists, That's what monks do at a Benedictine monastery. Or that's what my grandmother did. She was a really righteous woman, and she prayed faithfully and diligently. But how many of you connect fasting with something that's part of your life as a follower of Jesus? Part of your life in the kingdom of God. Hey, and I don't say that to place a single droplet of guilt in the middle of this room we're actually walking in accordance with what's been handed to us, truthfully. We're walking in accordance with what's been taught to us as being normal. And that's why God is so kind to us in his word to regularly give us things that jar us and make us think, wait a minute, what I've called normal maybe isn't normal. Like Jesus ex expects us to have fasting as an integral part of our Christian life, and he expects it to be common just like prayer and just like caring for people on the margins. Now, it's interesting to think about fasting in this moment in time, because the first time I preached on fasting like 25 years ago, I got a hilarious set of objections. I had people say to me, whoa, 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 pastor. I mean, if I don't eat three square meals a day, it's going to do damage to the tissues of my body. I mean, we, we were still functioning off the food pyramid. You remember what I'm talking about? With carbs on the bottom. It was a different day. Now, I still live with carbs on the bottom of my food pyramid. I'm vintage like that. But, I mean, I have people go, well, I, hey, I man, I, I, I can't fast. I mean, I'm looking at the food pyramid. i got to get my carbs. i got to get my three big meals. i got to have snacks in between. But now, now my hunch is almost everyone in this room has either experimented with intermittent fasting, or you have a friend that's done it and won't stop talking about it, or you've listened to a podcast where someone wouldn't stop talking about it. Fasting isn't foreign to us like it was to the first room of people I preached about fasting to, but it's foreign to us as Christians, right? I mean, some of you might be like, you're hardcore intermittent faster. You eat one meal a day. I mean, hats off to you. You look better than I do. You're probably healthier than I am. But like, have you, have you ever thought about fasting as a means of worship? Have you thought about fasting as a means of prayer? Have you studied God's word and asked, how could I fast as a regular means of orienting my heart and my body around the kingdom of God? That's what I want for you. And, And I'll say it, I hope I say it a lot of times, I don't want you to think about fasting in terms of, making yourself hungry. I want us to think about fasting in terms of asking God through the natural processes of our own biology to make us aware of hunger that exists in us already. I have a dear friend who tells me, man, I won't fast. I'm like, great, why won't you fast? He says, because when I fast, I'm so um complaining and crotchety that my wife prefers I'm not fast she doesn't like the man she lives with when I fast anybody feel like that like man I get hangry it's a real thing here's what I said to him I said hey is it possible that that what you're realizing in fasting is you have a hunger for comfort and you have a hunger for your wife to cater to that comfort that that hunger gets exposed when you're not blunting it with food is it possible that, that you need to fast more not less so the spirit of the most high god could meet you in that place of hunger where you hunger to be king that's your real hunger And that gets exposed, and your wife has to deal with it, and she hungers for everything to be calm. So maybe what God has for you is for both of you to fast, not less, but more. So that God can meet you in that place of hunger. Now, what I want to talk about with the time I got left is I want to define fasting for us because Jesus just expects you to do it. And he's talking to a community of people coming out of Judaism that they did fast. They had ritual fasting. It wasn't for the same reason he's inviting us to fast, but fasting wasn't abnormal to them. So because I haven't found a definition in the Bible to help us understand what fasting is, I want to start with, let's define it. Then let's talk about why we fast from the scriptures. I'm just going to point you to a couple places in the Bible that give us reasons for why we should fast as the people of God. And then I want to just make some exhortations to you for when you fast. Fair enough? You, you, you got time for those three things with me? So let's define fasting. And this is not God's word. This is my best attempt to define fasting for you. Fast Christian fasting, because we're not talking about intermittent fasting. We're not talking about some fad diet. We're not talking about a cleanse. I'm talking about Christian fasting. So let's say what it's not. Christian fasting is not political it's not a hunger strike it's not about a health cleanse it's not a weight loss technique it's not a manipulation tactic for God and it's not some form of self-discipline to impress people with. Christian fasting is to abstain to not participate to some degree and for some time and those those points are both important right to, to some degree we'll talk about this in a second for some time from the legitimate satisfaction of desires that we regard as legitimate for the purpose of prayer, pursuit, focus, and fellowship with God. Christian fasting is to abstain to some degree for some time from the legitimate satisfaction of desires we regard as legitimate for the purpose of prayer, pursuit, focus, fellowship with God. Now, now, all those components matter because you can fast by just limiting something. You can say, hey, I drink five cups of coffee a day. I'm going to fast four of them for the sake of prayer, focus, pursuit of God. I'm going to drink one cup of coffee a day. Because drinking a cup of coffee is a legitimate way to satisfy a legitimate desire, right? You need, I need to wake up, or I need a ritual, or I like warm liquid in the morning, my house is cold, or whatever. That's a legitimate desire, and you say, I'm gonna gonna limit it to some degree for some time. This isn't saying, like, I'm gonna quit smoking. Like, that's not not a fast. Maybe God's leading you to do that. If you wanna do that, do it. If you don't, don't. Um, But, like, that's not a fast. I, I laugh with my kids trying to explain fasting to them, because, like, let's say you're a compulsive arsonist. You just love to set stuff on fire. That's not a legitimate desire. In fact, that's an aberrant desire. We'd love to pray with you if you're setting stuff on fire. Um, I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to be your friend. I'd love to help. I, I don't want you too close. I don't want you to know where I live if you're compulsively setting stuff on fire. But that, uh, if you're compulsively setting things on fire, it's an illegitimate way of satisfying an illegitimate desire. You should stop burning things if that's what you're doing. But it's not a fast. It's not like, well, I'm going to fast from setting buildings on fire this week. No, that's just like, that's aligning yourself with normalcy, okay? Or you know, there's some people that like you have cravings for stuff that are revealing deficiencies in your body that you're satisfying them illegitimately. Was it called pica? Okay. I, 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 buddy, I buddy, when I grew up, I ate pencil shavings all the time. Well, he had an iron deficiency or something wrong. The kid needed vitamins. So he, he, was, he was finding an illegitimate way to satisfy a legitimate desire. Him abstaining from eating pencil shavings, not fasting. It's just like getting himself in kind of normal life in society, right? Helping him find a wife or um, live, live normally. A, a Christian fast is to abstain to some degree for some time, From the legitimate satisfaction of desires that we regard as legitimate, which one of the easiest things to talk about is food. You can fast from all kinds of stuff. Tons of you tell us on Instagram that you're fasting from social media. I don't know if I really buy it. I love you. Um, And for the record, we don't need you to tell us that. If if you're going to do that, it's it's okay. Um, But you know, you can fast from your phone. You could fast from any number of things. But one of the most common ones to fast from is food. And I would submit to you what we see in the scriptures, one of the best ones to fast from is food. Now, let's talk about in the scriptures, why do you fast? I'm just going to give you these quickly because i got limited time. But if you're a note taker, let me show you six things from the scriptures to, to tell us why we fast. If you look at Acts chapter 13, and you don't have to turn to all these. I'm just going to note them. If you look to Acts chapter 13, reason number one why we fast is to seek God's guidance. Hey, God, I don't know where to go. There's there's things, decisions we need to make about stuff outside of your revealed word. You can come together as a collective and fast. In Acts chapter 13, we see the church at Antioch fasting. It's beautiful and powerful. Reason number one you fast is to seek God's guidance. Reason number two you fast is to commit to what God has led you to do. There's this amazing moment in Acts chapter 13 where the Spirit of God says, hey, set aside these people for the work that I've given to them. The the Spirit of God speaks that in the midst of fasting. And do you know how they respond to God as he leads them to do that? They go back to fast. And they ask God, will you give us the strength and clarity to commit to do what you've called us to do? It blows my mind, because there's something about us that we want to break a fast and like go to the buffet, like gorge ourselves. These guys ask God to speak. They abstain from food and ask the Spirit of God to lead them. The Spirit of God provides guidance and leadership, and they're like, God, thank you, and we will show our thanks by going back to fasting. It's it's incredible. They they fast to commit to do what God's led them to do. Reason number three, you fast to express repentance and to return to God. I read 1 Samuel 7 again this morning, and it is beautiful. You see that in Joel 2 also. Number four, you fast to seek deliverance or protection. Ezra chapter 8 verses 21 to 23 has a brilliant illustration of that. Reason number five, you fast to humble yourself before God. You fast to humble yourself before God. And it's critical that I say this, because fasting in and of itself is not an act of humility. In Luke chapter 18, we see the Pharisee there that fasts twice a week, and he's beating his chest, bragging to God, hey, I fast twice a week. I'm so much better than that guy. So fasting, by definition, is not humble. But you can fast as a means of humbling yourself before God. God, in my hunger, in my weakness, would you remind me who you are and who I am? God, in my hunger, in my weakness, would you put me in my place? You know, when they, when they built ancient cathedrals, one of the purposes of an ancient cathedral was to make you walk in and feel really small, to get resized. And you can fast as a means of asking God to resize you. You see that in 1 Kings 21, verses 27 to 29. King Ahab fasts as a means of setting himself in the right place before a holy God. You fast to seek discernment, right? You fast to commit to do what God has called you to do. You fast to express repentance. You fast to seek deliverance and protection. You fast to humble yourself before God. There's one other reason that we would miss massively if we left out. You fast as an expression of love Devotion to God Himself. If you look at Luke chapter 2, two of my favorite people in the Jesus narrative in Luke's gospel of Simeon and Anna. Anna had been widowed early in her life, and Luke tells us that from the day she'd been widowed, she lived in the temple worshiping God with fasting. Now, we think of worshiping God with music almost exclusively. But Anna fasted as a means of laying herself before the Lord and saying, God, I love you. Would you show me how much you love me? Would you give me a heart to love you more? Would you give me a heart to receive more of your love? She worshiped the Lord with fasting. I mean, what, what I'd love for you to see is all of this. Every purpose of fasting is not about Manipulation. You're not trying to, like, trick God. <laughs> Reverse psychology doesn't work on God. Well, I will say I don't want a boyfriend so that he will give me a boyfriend. I will say I don't, I, you know what, I don't want to get married because I've heard people say stories about that when they said they didn't want to get married, that's when God brought them a husband or a wife. It doesn't work that way. You, you, you can't, like, trick God. You can't manipulate him. Fasting isn't about manipulation. It's about increasing our focus It's about stripping away distraction. And ironically, fasting, again, isn't about hunger at all. It's about feasting on God himself. It's about feasting on God himself. It's about feasting on God himself. Listen to what Francis Chan says. He says, we fast because we long for God's glory to resound in the church and God's praise to resound among the nations. We fast because we yearn for God's son to return and God's kingdom to come. Ultimately, we fast simply because we want God more than we want anything else this world has to offer us. We fast simply because we want God more than we want anything else this world has to offer us. What do you think God could do in your life if you just started trying to take baby steps to to orient your body and your soul around the discipline of fasting and ask God to reveal to you what it is you really love, what it is you really desire, what it is that you're really hungry for? had a dear friend that had she'd walked with Jesus like 20 years. She never fasted until this year. She texted me a couple of weeks ago and she said, I finally get it. I was like, what are you talking about? I hadn't talked to her in a month or two. I was like, what, you know, what are you talking about? She said, I am hungry. I realized, oh, my sister's two, three days into a fast. She's not talking about her body anymore because the distraction of hunger pangs has gone away. And now she's realizing, oh, there's illegitimate desires that I'm satisfying all over the place, and I'm calling it normal. I'm calling it social media feeds. I'm calling it shopping. I'm calling it time with my kids. I'm calling it whatever. To get that text, I am hungry. That, that's why you fast. That's why you fast. So turn back to Matthew chapter 6. Let's look at our text for this morning. I, I want to highlight three things for you for when you fast. Because Jesus gives us more clear instructions than you think. He tells us at least three things in this passage about fasting. Matthew chapter 6 verse 16. He says, when you fast, don't call attention to yourself don't fast in such a way where you have your fasting hoodie that you wear so everyone knows that you're fasting. Don't fast in such a way where you come and sit down at the table and like, oh, so that everyone will do the thing where they go, what's wrong with you? Well, since you ask, I'm fasting. You're like, since I asked, you demanded that I ask. Like, Jesus says, Don't do that. He says, don't fast in such a way that calls attention to you. Don't disfigure your face. Don't look dirty. Don't try to notice, like, don't try to have others notice you. If you do that, Jesus says, you've received your reward. So don't miss the point, man. If you want other people to think you're holy... If you want other people to think you're disciplined, if you want other people to think you're more righteous than them, just start fasting and find the subtle, loud ways for them to know that you're fasting so they can ask you about what's wrong with you so you can tell them that you're fasting. The only problem is Jesus says, "If you do that, you've gotten your reward." That's what you wanted, that's what you got. Don't don't do that, Jesus says. When you fast, don't do that. Look at what he says. He says, when you fast, verse 17, anoint your head and wash your face. He's saying, <laughs> give yourself over to normal hygiene, which like, I always feel like this is a place where I should step aside and coach men in the room. I don't have the time. I don't want to go over my time. Like, guys, we could talk about normal hygiene for you on another day. It probably needs to be elevated whether you're fasting or not. But, but what he's talking about, about anointing your head and putting oil on your face or washing your face, he, he's saying, hey, like, live like a normal human being. Do, do normal hygiene practices of the day so you look like a normal person. That's the goal. When, when you fast, he says, just go about your normal way. Get up, take a shower, brush your hair, brush your teeth. Hey, especially if you're fasting, because if you fast for a couple days at a time, your breath starts to smell like something very, 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 very bad. <laughs> Brush your teeth, use mouthwash. What, whatever your grooming rituals are, do that. Verse 18, so that other people aren't going to notice you unnecessarily. He says, he says, but your father will notice you who's in secret. But hey, please don't hear verse 18 to tell you that you fast to get God's attention. Here's what I want us to know and hear and live in the power of. You don't fast to get God's attention. You fast because you realize you already have it. You don't fast to get God's attention. You fast because you realize the king of the universe. Exalted over all authorities, there's no one higher, there's no one stronger, there's no one brighter, there's no one more glorious. That God has his eyes fixed on you and the scripture says is crazy about you. He he loves you. He burns with zeal for you. You don't fast to get his attention. You fast because you've got it. And you fast and say, God, I don't think my heart is tuned to yours the way yours is tuned to mine. And Jesus says, when you fast, fast to be seen by God who already sees you, and then you get your reward. And what's the reward of Christian fasting? God himself. God himself. Hey, fast. So that the God who already has his eyes fixed on you can get your attention. (laughs) Not you get his. And then you get your reward. It's him. Golly. Don't fast to be noticed by other people. Be normal when you fast. And fast to get God. Fast to get God. So how do you do it? A couple small pointers and... uh, I'm already a little bit over time, but I think this is important, and and then I'll be out of your way. Hey, how do you fast? Start small. you got to start small. you got to be willing to stink at something. G.K. Chesterton says, if something is worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. So if fasting should be part of our normal Christian life, why don't you be willing to stink at it? You don't have to be like the kind of fasting Christian that we're gonna write a book about. It doesn't even matter. It's not about that anyway. It's about your hunger and attuning the fullness of your hunger to God himself. So start small. Fast for a meal. Literally say, I'm gonna take lunch on Tuesday and I'm not gonna eat it. Instead, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna ask God to search my heart and I'm gonna be quiet and I'm gonna put my phone away I'm going to, or I'll start 24 hours. Which, by the way, if you start dinner time to dinner time, you don't even have to go a whole day without eating. Part of your fasting hours can be while you're asleep. You wake up hungry, if you're like me. But you say, "Hey God, um, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to impress you. I'm actually trying to tune my body to get more of you." Start small. That's the, man, that's number one. Start small. Go 24 hours. Go a meal. You can do partial fast. You can say, I'm going to do no meat. I'm just going to eat vegetables. You can say, I'm going to eat fruit. You can say no coffee. Whatever your thing is. Um, I've realized in moving to Oklahoma City, HTO is a religion for many of you. Um, maybe you're like, hey, no HTO for a day or half an hour or however long you can go without it. Start small. If that's too much, start even smaller. I mean, I... This isn't hype, I believe this, I really believe this. I I don't think you can imagine, I don't think you can imagine what God would do in this church and throughout this metro if just some of the people in this room started giving one lunch a week to the Lord for the sake of prayer and fasting and asking God to align your heart with his kingdom. I, I don't think you can imagine what would happen. And if you fast 24 hours and you want to go more, I mean, I can do simple math for you, right? Do two days. And then do three days. And you don't do it like tomorrow. If you've never fasted before in your life, take the next month and say, I'm going to take the first day of the week. I'm going to take Monday, and I'm going to fast lunch. And after that month, say, hey, next month in September, I'm going to fast one day. Figure it out on your calendar plan it, purpose it in your heart before the Lord, and then do what you've said you're gonna do before the Lord. And this is the thing, Jesus doesn't tell you not to talk about fasting with anyone. He says, don't do it to be rewarded by men. I would get people in your community group to go, hey, could you you hold me accountable? Could you pray with me? Could you pray for me? Could you fast with me? Could we fast together? Start a day. Maybe fast a day a month for a year. And then go, hey, you know what I'm gonna do? In 2023, I'm gonna go on a three-day fast. I'm going to take Wednesday to Friday pick your days. Here's what I'm going to do. Now, I I just wonder what it would look like to see you guys grow in fasting. I have friends that for years have done a 40-day fast each year with their community groups. They don't mean 40 at a time. They do the first three days of every month. They fast together. And then the first week of January, they fast together. And those 36 plus six days or whatever make up 40 days. I'm not, I'm not that good at math. We've reached my limit. Um, but they've done that for years, and they talk about how God has deepened them, how God has intensified their focus for the kingdom. They, they, they talked about the fruit that God has borne out of that. Um, hey, when you screw up, turn and fast again. It, this isn't like a marathon. It's not like something you're doing to prove feats of strength. If you say you're going to fast for 24 hours and you like you resist urges you have at breakfast, you resist urges you have at lunch, and then in the afternoon they bring donuts into the office, which by the way, they will do when you fast. And it's, it, it's, it's uncanny. They'll bring brownies in the morning, pie at lunch, donuts in the afternoon, some kind of cake pops. You will experience more opportunities to eat junk at work than you've ever had in your life the, the first day you commit to fast. And say you're like, man, I, I didn't eat the free Jimmy John's that they brought at lunch. I didn't eat the donuts they had in the morning, but it, man, when they brought the donuts in the afternoon, I couldn't resist anymore. Well, you don't have to like flagellate yourself and hang your head low and go, I failed. Just go, well, I failed, I'm gonna fast dinner. We do this weird thing of like, we, we, we mess up on a fast, we give in to temptation, we realize that like, we want instant satisfaction instead of something deeper, and then we do this weird thing of like, instead of just going back to fasting or eating a normal dinner, we decide, well, I'm gonna go to Wendy's. I mean, I blew it at the fast, I might as well just b- blow, it, blow it all out the water for the next three days. No, just go back to fasting. If you eat a donut, go back to fasting. If you're fasting with someone else, text them. Be like, man, I ate a donut, fast resets now. I, I have a friend who's a pastor, And their their church was in a significant season. And he called his church to a 40-day fast. Not a total fast, but like people were fasting from media, people were fasting from all this stuff. And he felt led by the Lord to fast completely. He was just going to have water only for these 40 days. Something like day six or seven, he gets into the fast. and It's like middle of the night, he can't sleep. And so he goes to his fridge to eat, and his wife has gotten rid of all the food because she's fasting with him, so they got nothing. So he has like some rotten yogurt in the back of the fridge and he finds some stale pretzels in a drawer and he's eating rotten yogurt and stale pretzels just gorging himself at like three in the morning. He gets a phone call the next morning at six from this woman in his church. She's sobbing. She said, Pastor, I was so eager for us to fast as a body. And then I had this dream that the Lord woke me up from last night at three o'clock in the morning. And in the dream, you were eating stale pretzels and rotten yogurt. And he said, that was the Lord speaking, I, I was. Came before the people, told them what he did. He's not like, you know, woe is me. He's just, hey, I gave in a temptation. Back on the wagon, I'm fasting again. Because it's not a feat of strength. This, this is about, <laughs> this isn't about making you hungry. It's about exposing your hunger. So if you screw up, just start over. Be willing to fast for the wrong reasons. You're like, what in the world does that mean? I have a really good friend. She said to me a couple weeks ago, hey, I really want to fast to pray for my daughter. Her daughter's really struggling at this moment in her life. And she said, but I'm worried that I want my daughter to be okay more than I want God himself. I said, perfect reason to fast. Ask God if that's true to expose that to you. And let me Let me tell you, if you want God more than you want your daughter to be okay, you will pray for your daughter with a zeal you didn't know was possible before. Be willing to fast for the wrong reasons. Talk about fasting with those you're following Jesus with. It's crazy. If you study, if you study um, Christian living or Christian spirituality literature in the past couple of decades, there are decades when people didn't talk about fasting at all because they were communicating about it face-to-face all the time. They realized, hey, if you're going to go on a three-day fast, if you're going to go on a five-day fast, here's how headaches function. If you're going on a long-term fast, here's what happens day one to three. Here's what happens day three to five. Here's the crucible between days five and seven. And then after day seven, you feel like a million bucks. And and then when the hunger comes back, if you're doing a long-term fast, 21-day fast, 30-day fast, 40-day fast, when the hunger comes back, you got to eat, regardless of where you are. This is a point of like, hey, you got to eat. That people talked about that, therefore no one had to write about it. But now none of us know about fasting because none of us are fasting and none of us are talking about fasting. So there are people that are now writing about fasting to help you know, hey, these are just basic like pieces of following Jesus together. As you fast, man, when you fast, I'm praying that God will give you what Paul prays for in Ephesians 3. Like the strength to comprehend how monumental God's love is for you. What what if you just did that? What if you just said, I'm going to meditate on Ephesians 3, 14 and 19, and I'm going to let this be my food instead of food be my food. Whether you do that one meal, three meals, seven meals, I don't care. Settle that be- between you and God and then walk in it. Or think about Paul in Romans 11, verse 33. When he gets, he gets to the end of this great section of Romans 9 to 11, and he says, oh, the depth of the riches. Like, what, what if you made that? what you ate during a fast.